Okay. Welcome to Flock Tales, where we drink and talk about birds. I'm Maya Frischi. I'm Jen Schneiderman. I'm Ashley Ola. And I'm Kristen Brunk. And we are your four resident bird nerds. And get ready to say goodbye to the boobies, everybody. Finally. <laughs> say goodbye forever. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we are done. <laughs> Until the next time. Then we talk about boobies. Until Which will be like at time. least a week. So say goodbye. <laughs> For at least a week. Hopefully longer. Mm. Mm-hmm. But this is the last of our first ever more than two part series. This is our four part series. We went, we doubled. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. This is a four part. Like, yeah. <laughs> Because we're, so now we have to finish what we started. Talking about more than two birds in an episode now. <sighs> we're going to try at least. We are. I believe in us. <laughs> well, that makes one of us. At least. I just can't think of a more fitting family genus, whatever, of birds to spend four episodes on. Mm-hmm. 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 Totally. Very important. I know. I think it's worth it. Mm -hmm. And also, I think we, maybe without even knowing it, might have saved the best for last. So I'm pretty stoked for today. (gasps) Mm -hmm. Oh, shit. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Just throwing a little teaser out there. Um, Exactly. (laughs) Get a little little sprinkle, a little pepper of of mystery thrown (laughs) on top here. Yes, I have thrown the pepper of mystery. (laughs) The pepper of mystery. Come next. I'm just imagining throwing like a fucking grinder, like one of those pepper grinders, and just hucking it at somebody. Like, Consider yourself teased. What's that meme? Salt Bay? Instead of Salt Bay, it's Pepper Bay. Pepper Ooh. Mystery Bay. <laughs> Oh, yes. Well, speaking of mysteries, oh. actually, I don't know if that works. <laughs> <laughs> Just go with it. We have, uh, we've got Take two it. more species of boobies that we're going to tell you about, and that will conclude <laughs> all of the boobies. <laughs> there are no more boobies, everyone. <laughs> done. Boobies done. are being put away. <laughs> Canceled. <laughs> Get your fill now while you can. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> can you cancel boobies i don't know as soon as i said that i was like oh do i mean that i don't think i mean no we didn't cancel them (laughs) how about pause we like finish them you know like when a good series ends like right when it should that's what's going on here Mm -hmm. we're Mm -hmm. mash hell yeah Mm -hmm. you're right we know what we're doing (laughs) (gasps) Mm -hmm. we're mash and schitt's creek yes and for our more modern listeners and avatar ah, the last year oh, yes. avatar <laughs> also mash was my favorite show growing up oh my god i love it so much i love oh, mash that's still so like a comfort show for me because i grew yes. up watching it with my parents yes so mm. good mm-hmm. i've never i've oh. seen episodes of mash but i haven't seen all of mash Alan yeah, Alda. Same so good which one what alan alda he's the oh main, my god like yeah yeah did you read mm-hmm. his book no he wrote a book it's on my shelf i'm pretty sure it's called never get your dog stuffed or something like that oh that sounds like a good book <laughs> i'm pretty sure <laughs> i saw that on your shelf yeah, yeah. that is what it's I called been, i'm excited to read it because alan alda is hilarious and i'm yeah he's so funny good. it's gonna be real good <laughs> <laughs> was he Hawkeye, Hawkeye or Radar? Is Hawkeye. Also, I loved Radar too. Uh, yes. Radar was uh, one of oh, my other favorite yeah. characters. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I need to find a streaming service that data. has Mash on it. I have like yeah. three seasons. I know. Yeah. I <laughs> someday. Or, I don't think I still have, but I had a season or two. Yeah. Floating around somewhere. Oh, they should really add it to fucking Netflix or Hulu or whatever. That would be sweet. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's out there and I just, it hasn't popped up. Mm, Maybe. Maybe it's on like, yeah, or it might be on like HBO Mm, Max or something like that. Yeah, maybe. 
I'm not giving any more streaming services my money because now it's just like cable. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Yeah. My mom and I share. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. That 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 was the end of the thought. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm on the lookout for audio poison of people of overtalk. Mm. That's what it was. That's the word I need. Um. We we got HBO Max because my mom and I are sharing yes. um like login information and Fresh Prince of Bel Air is Ooh. on that bad boy and it's well, pretty great. I also really enjoyed watching that when I was younger. I'm watching it for the first time as an adult because I missed uh, out as a child. Does it hold up, Jen? Is it still amazing? Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Okay. <laughs> Aunt Viv is my hero. Yes, I would love to revisit that show. It's been a long time. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. Um, have we delayed enough so, for the pepper of mystery? To, to oh, that's right. <laughs> I think the I feel yeah, the pepper mystery feel has properly <laughs> marinated. <laughs> in pe- pepper. Yes, everyone's marinated, ready to go. <laughs> interest is peaked <laughs> i think all of that is a euphemism for something i'm just not sure what <laughs> unclear but i'm into it whatever it is <laughs> oh yes well okay here we go so this is the six booby species right is that, mm-hmm. is that right? yes totes nice. This is the masked booby, and it's a pretty cool one. It's a member of the Sulidae, 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 Sulidae. genus, Sulidae. Woo! Um, <laughs> and <laughs> it's when we first started thinking about this episode, we were very, very sure that we wanted to talk about six booby species, but there's like this mysterious seventh. That's like the pepper mystery one that we're gonna get to. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> oh, I thought it was the masked booby because he has a, a mask. Oh, I know, like tuxedo yeah, mask. See, it is pretty <laughs> mysterious. I know. There's just a lot of mystery. You just in this, like can't uh, episode. <laughs> can't identify them in the lineup. Nope. I know. Yeah, there's like five that you know, and there's one where you're like, oh my god, do you see anything? I don't see anything. <laughs> and turns out it's a masked booby. <laughs> Imagining a booby line up and they can't even recognize each other. Like, (laughs) they're all like tripping. (laughs) No one can handle it. (laughs) This, so luckily, the masked booby. Luckily, I don't know why I said luckily. It's a very classic booby. I think so much about it is very true for the other five species that we've talked about quite a bit. So, like, no offense to the masked booby, but I'm going to go a little bit quick through this. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is a seabird, as you all Ayo. know by this point. Um, it ranges throughout tropical oceans, throughout the globe. So you can see this bird in Oceania, in the Galapagos Islands, in Hawaii, off, like, the west coast of South America and the Caribbean. Sometimes they even nest in Florida, which is really cool. Probably the closest place anyone here in the Midwest could travel to and see a real live booby in the wild. So highly recommend. Mm -hmm. Um, They are very, very much a a stable population species, which is nice to talk about. We're going to talk about like ocean conservation later on in this episode. And so this is like not the case for a lot of species. Um, But because masked boobies have just like lots of colonies widely scattered throughout most of the world, they're doing really great right now. Um, Always nice to hear about a species like that. (laughs) Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. They Their behavior is really similar to a lot of other species that we've talked about, like they incubate eggs with their feet, they lay two eggs usually, and oftentimes there is siblicide, which is horrifying, but it happens. They are plunge divers in the ocean, um, often in coastal waters near where their colonies are. And pretty cool, the whole population of masked boobies along the northern coast of South America, including the Galapagos Islands, 
was recently recognized as a separate species, which is the Nazca booby that we talked about recently in one of our many episodes (laughs) that are now all blurring together in my brain. (laughs) Yes. We talked about Nazca boobies nesting on cliffs and really steep rocky slopes, but masked boobies tend to nest in like low flat areas. So that's like a pretty big behavioral difference between the two species. But otherwise, they're really, really similar. Mm -hmm. So that is the sixth and final species in the Sulidae genus. And then we've got this sneaky little seventh booby that is the Abbott's booby, which is such a cool bird. I spent a really long time today just being like, how in the hell does this thing even exist in the world? And I'm still not 100% sure, Mm. but it does. Luckily, it's really endangered, but it does exist in the world. Um, Mm. Mm. Yeah. What's that? I taste taste it. Oh yeah, is it pepper? Oh, I think I taste mystery pepper. I got some 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 mystery pepper. <laughs> yes, <laughs> pepper everywhere. <laughs> <sighs> it's burning. Anyway, <laughs> stay strong. Stay strong. <laughs> Try, dude. <laughs> So the family Sulidae technically includes um, gannets as well as boobies. And gannets are really cool seabirds. They're giant. They can fly for like days at a time. And they're also plunge divers. They um, just dive with like a lot of force. And I think we might have talked about them actually in one of our earlier episodes. Um But it's kind of cool because when the first, like, explorers and taxonomists encountered um, the Abbott's booby, they thought that maybe it was, like, the species that was, like, intermediate between gannets and boobies. And they were really excited about that. Um, It looks very similar to, like, several other species of boobies. It's, like, white and black plumage. It has blue feet. It's a really striking, like, really pretty seabird. Um. And in 2011, there was a study of multiple genes um, in this family, and they realized that actually the Abbott's booby um, is basal to all of the other boobies and gannets, which is really cool. This is like the ancestral, like dinosaur bird of this lineage, which is so fun to think about. Um, Yeah, they diverged 22 million years ago. Oh, my God. That's oh a long time God. ago. Yeah, time is insane. Dinosaurs. Are wild. <laughs> also, <laughs> I think we've dinosaurs. said this before, but in case you didn't know, birds are in fact the only living dinosaurs mm-hmm. in existence today. So just mm-hmm. think about that next time you see any bird. You're looking at a dinosaur. Pretty it's legit. so yeah. easy to believe that looking at a booby though and like hearing mm-hmm. especially the females with like the kind of guttural like honks that they make <laughs> they it just feels mm-hmm. like you're looking and listening to a dinosaur even like their profile as they're flying with like mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. really long wings kind of bent in a i don't know like a claw like way mm-hmm. like they're dinosaurs absolutely no doubt about it um, the first specimen of Abbott's booby was collected by William Louise Abbott, ah. who discovered it on Assumption Island in 1892. <laughs> and Assumption Island... It's <laughs> a great island name. I met, right? I know, I know. This is a little island off the coast of Australia. Um, very fitting. That's kind of right in the heart of their former range, which is oh. around maritime Southeast Asia. Um and William Louis Abbott was one of the preeminent explorers in that area of the world. He also has uh, a lot of other species named after him oh. um, in addition to the booby. He has a day gecko, a crested lizard, a sunbird, and a pygmy cuckoo shrike. Oh, my <laughs> God. Real successful dude. I'd say he, he really made it for himself. When he was exploring a lot in this region in like the late 1800s, 
Abbott's boobies were found in a really wide area of ocean, um, nesting on lots of small islands throughout the eastern Indian Ocean. Um, but today, there is one nesting colony, uh, and that's located on Christmas Island, <gasps> which <awesome>. is <laughs> Christmas Island. Pretty cool one. It's a 52-square-mile dog-shaped island <laughs> in the middle of the eastern <laughs> Indian Ocean. <laughs> what? It's, it's honestly dog-shaped. Yeah, Google it. <laughs> Wait, like a, like a sitting dog? Or like a... No, like like standing. Oh, <laughs> or running shit. or something. I don't know. It's, like it's a does little it bit look weird, like, a, like dog a dog peeing on something? Because that oh. would be hilarious. <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit. It's like kind of like it's arching his back a little bit. Mm. That could be a pee shape. Mm. <laughs> I'm looking this shit up. Yeah, Googling it right <laughs> now. Wait, so Maya, you said they're they're in the Sulidae family, right? But they're like totally their own genus, right? That's like they, just them. Yes. They have their own genus, which is called the Papasula. Papasula. <laughs> <laughs> which is a really good genus name. So good. <laughs> and it's funny because the rest of the boobies are Sula, and it's like, oh, this is the daddy Sula. <laughs> I know what yeah. it really is. Not to get, all they know are. Yeah. Not to get patriarchal about it, but like. <laughs> but also, this is the Papa Sula. <laughs> it's like Papa Smurf. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, they sort of are. They have blue feet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have blue feet. You're right. Yeah. Papa Smurfa. I'm in. Mm-hmm. Position to change. <laughs> Also, hold up. Uh, Christmas Island looks like a weird-ass dog. Like, I don't know if I buy that it looks totally like a dog. You know, okay, I had trouble with this, too, but every everything I read about it said a dog-shaped island, so I was, like, really stoked about it being dog-shaped, and I think I tried maybe too hard. It might mm. be kind of like, I don't know, what shape would that be? Staple-shaped? <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> See, dog shaped is just better. It is. It looks like one of those weird dogs where they like shave the back half of the dog and not the front half. So the front half's really poofy and the back uh, half is like, oh, like very poodle? bare. Well, yeah, but like yeah. if they like if a poodle had a real bad hair day. Mm. Okay. Or like it's just much, it has really like strong front legs. Like it's really barrel chested. Oh. It has really skinny back legs. They skip leg day. Kind of like yeah. Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Only back leg day. <laughs> I'm getting like real strong, like slug vibes. Oh, okay, now I need to look it up with little antennae. antennae. Yes, little antennas <laughs> or eye stalks. Wait, they're eye stalks, right? You're right. You're right. They're eye stalks. Uh, you're a thousand yeah. percent right. Mm-hmm. Also, I like that the like basically the entire island is a national park. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. That's a really good point. Um, 63% of the island is made up of Christmas Island National Park, which is, yeah, so cool and also so important because this island is hundreds of miles from any other, like, you know, giant body of land. And so there's so many endemic species and conserving those species is very critical. So, yeah, really great that there is this national park in place. And I, like, knew I had heard about this park at some point, somewhere. Mm -hmm. So I did a very little bit of reading. And this is the the island where the red crabs all, like, migrate dramatically out to the coast. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, iconic David Attenborough videos about this. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Mm -hmm. Uh. (laughs) Yeah, it's really insane. Red crabs are like a keystone piece of the ecology here. And they have this crazy behavior where they, at a certain time, that's actually timed to like the tides and the lunar phase, they all leave their burrows, mainland and the island, and like all crawl out in this huge mass of crabs out to the coast to spawn in the water. Damn. And they time it. Yeah, it's insane. Like videos of this are just unreal. Um but they time it to a receding high tide during the last quarter of the moon. And they know when to leave their burrows inland to make it to the water at that time. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> even so mind-blowing. Can they even see the sky? Or, like, no... Like, they can't rely on sight if they're in burrows, right? The whole time? 
Yeah, my understanding is they're in underground burrows underneath like this monsoon rainforest. Oh my god! And so I don't know how they know. (laughs) Oh my god! That's like so cool. I was gonna say, what if it's like a magnetic thing? But I don't. Does the moon affect the Earth's magnetic field? I don't know. I thought it was more gravitational. I just study birds, man. We should ask those assholes that are trying to build a telescope on Mauna Kea what the fuck is going on. Yeah, they would know. <laughs> yeah, they probably know, don't they? <laughs> I think maybe if they built a telescope here. Uh, yeah. It would get attacked by crabs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, yeah. Uh, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing about Christmas Island, I don't even... This is like a very much a side note to this podcast, but also so like important to think about. It's a um, used really often for refugee and immigration detention. And very often asylum seekers trying to get into Australia are at Christmas Island for like months and months. And then I don't know if this is still ongoing, but for a long time, like hundreds of people whose visas expired on mainland Australia, even if they'd been there for like generations, were all sent out to Christmas Island. What? So the other, you know, like 30% of the island that's not National Park has just like a lot of human dynamics going on that are wild to think about. Wow. Pretty fucked up. Wait, Maya, do you know Mm -hmm. if there are any indigenous people that live there? Yeah, I mean, I think there were at some point, yeah. and I couldn't find very much information about that. Mm. It seems like there's one kind of, like, port town, I forgot the name of it now, um, on the island that's also, like, the immigration detention center, mm. and so it's just, like, very much multicultural right now, because it's a lot of different people either, like, trying to get into Australia or trying to stay in Australia mm-hmm. from around Southeast Asia. Mm. Wow. Mm. Yeah, just, like, so much going on in this little, like, 52 square miles in the middle of the yeah. ocean. Yeah. And <laughs> conservation. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> And conservation. Wow. Yeah. Because, yeah, they had YCA, too. Probably, you're going to probably talk about this, so I'm going to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am going to talk about the Yeah, YCA, like, blew my mind this afternoon mm-hmm. while I was reading about this. <laughs> um. Yeah, so this is the only known colony of Abbott's boobies is on Christmas Island, um, partially because the boobies can eat um, squid and fish that they forage for right off the coast of the island. But these are also one of the most far traveling species. They go like hundreds of miles. They regularly feed 200 miles off the coast of Christmas Island on an upwelling um, off the coast of Java. So yeah, they're much more mobile. Um, but they do come back to this island to nest, and insanely, they nest at the tops of really tall trees in the rainforest. Oh my oh. god, what? Getting yeah. their marbled merlet on. <laughs> I'm into it. <laughs> I was so mind blown by these pictures of boobies, like, nesting kind of almost a little bit more solitary than other species hmm. at the tops of these really big like emergent trees sticking out of the rainforest oh, wow and <laughs> yeah, that is so cool it's really cool they need a lot of varied topography for their nest sites and so they tend to nest either um on emergent trees the ones that are like much taller than the surrounding trees or at places where there's like a cliff or some kind of plateau um where the trees are just like more unevenly spaced which is really something that's associated very much with like old rainforest conditions Mm -hmm. um and so forest structure is like super important to them um they're really large these boobies they're larger than any other species (laughs) and so uh it's really tough for them to take off and like fly (laughs) and i guess this is why they nest in the really tall trees this is really sad actually but they like need um to be able to like kind of launch themselves out into space to start (laughs) flying Mm. and if it goes wrong if they fall and end up like underneath the forest canopy they probably aren't gonna make it because they just can't get themselves back up again which is really sad I know. That's so. Um, uh, that's just the thing with boobies, you know. Like once they're out on the ocean, they look so coordinated. But yeah. any time before that, there's no coordination. 
there's mm. none it's like albatross yeah, yeah. <laughs> same thing so albatrosses much. are just majestic in the ocean but once they get on <laughs> land yeah dude mm-hmm. it's an airplane yeah. and it needs a runway to take off <laughs> yes yeah. so literally they will run off a freaking cliff you'll, yeah to get airborne it's so cute watching the little ones learn how to fly it's just like if it's oh with me, they'll just like raise their wings and like kind of stand on their tiptoes and just like feel the wind under their wings. Oh, or when, so when, cute. Oh. Or they practice flapping and you just see like mm-hmm. this whole shoreline of like nesting albatrosses and their chicks and the chicks are just like frantically flap, flap, <laughs> yeah, frantically <laughs> flapping their wings like, I'm going to go. I'm going to do yeah. it. <laughs> And then, like, the running and flapping oh. stage, and then they, like, get towards the end, and they're like, nah, 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 not yet. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. Oh, it's got to be scary. Like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah, just launch yourself <laughs> off of this cliff, why don't you? Mm-hmm. When I was little, it took me forever to, like, work up the courage to dive into a pool, mm-hmm. like, head first mm-hmm. dive. And I imagine it being kind of like that, where you see people do it, and you, like, picture yourself doing it, but you're still like, ah, yeah. but, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, but when you pictured yourself doing it, because I did this, would you picture yourself doing a graceful swan dive, but then you wound up just, like, belly flopping because <laughs> you were so uncoordinated? Because that's what I did. Oh, yeah. That's very relatable. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> And everyone watching you was like, yeah, great job. Like, you look perfect. <laughs> you're like, thanks. Why does my tummy yeah, hurt? Like, this like, clearly hurt, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, okay. But this is, this is like kind of uh, the silver lining to the stressful situation where boobies are falling out of trees and then can't get back up. Um the stakes are so high that adults rarely fight due mm-hmm. to like the risk of falling. Oh. So they're much more peaceful, like much more community oriented, wow. I would say, than the other species. <laughs> peaceful boobies. <laughs> yeah, they're all just hanging out in their trees. Oh. Life is good. Mm-hmm. Oh, life is a little scary for the fledglings because mm. obviously mm-hmm. that first attempt at flight is pretty crucial. Mm-hmm. And if they fall, that's not good. That's even worse than if an adult falls. Right. Because they have no mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, get eaten by babies crabs. are real dumb and don't know how to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Crabs. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot going on there. Absolutely. Um. The abbot's booby only lays one egg per breeding cycle, and they take a lot of rest years. They're really into the rest years. Um, And so, in general, most pairs only breed once every three years, which is, I think, a little bit lower than other species. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, they're just a little bit more towards the K-selected side of things. Yeah, which slightly... Yeah, that definitely makes conservation harder, too, if they can't reproduce really quickly in a good year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's so scary that there's Absolutely. only one colony left. Like, one fucking exactly. hurricane could just wipe out the whole thing. I was thinking the same thing. That's horrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little stressful. Um, they also just have a much longer window of the time when they're nesting and... Um, yeah, incubation period lasts for 30 days longer than it does in other Sulidae species. Wow. It lasts for 56 days, which is just a really long time, really yeah. vulnerable time for the adults. Um, chicks, once they hatch, they take 170 days to fully fledge, wow. which is another hugely long amount of time. And then an additional 200 days to become fully independent. So the wow. adults have to just put like a lot of energy into raising this one chick every three years. Mm-hmm. Um, fledglings don't reach maturity until around eight years old. So wow. really like long lifespans, they can live up to 40 years in the mm-hmm. wild, but it just takes them a really long time to reproduce. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that leads me into conservation, which I kind of alluded to already. <laughs> But this uh, this species is decreasing. Population is decreasing quite a bit, and it's uh, classed as endangered under IUCN. 
Um, luckily, all of its nesting areas are within a national park, but unluckily, it's all the same national park. So, <laughs> yeah, little little glasses half full, glasses half empty going on. Um, very minimal changes to the habitat within the park can have really significant effects on the population. And a pretty intense example of this is that Christmas Island is a huge site um, for phosphate mining. And during the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, phosphate mining destroyed about a third of the habitat on that island, um, which is, yeah, wow. pretty intense. There's not that, that much nesting Damn. habitat left. And phosphate mining is obviously like rough and removes a lot of habitat, but also just really changes the forest structure. Mm. Um, so tree health decreases because of that. Um, due to logging, some of these really big trees that the boobies nest in are just gone. But more importantly, um, these gaps in the forest canopy cause a lot of like wind turbulence coming off of the ocean. Mm. Um and so they just, like, when storms come through, they tend to just, like, knock the boobies, like, out of the nest trees, uh, which is aww. really awful. <laughs> and, yeah, chicks dislodged from the nests often don't survive. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, these chicks that just take so much energy to raise are being, like, literally, like, just swept out of the trees during storms, which is horrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not ideal. Um, and then, yeah, Kristen mentioned yellow crazy ants, mm-hmm. YCA, and these things are wild. Uh, yellow crazy ants are invasive species in a lot of islands um, and tropical areas throughout the world. And Christmas Island was invaded pretty famously in the 1990s. Um, the biggest risk with this is that crazy ants form super colonies of up to like billions of ants in a single colony and so they actually will go like and eat chicks like cause direct chick mortality um or just nest abandonment because of this like incredible pressure from so many ants but more like kind of indirectly but maybe more profoundly on the island Um, They disrupt the ecosystem by killing the red crabs that we talked about that, like, kind of cover the the Mm -hmm. forest floor. Mm -hmm. Um, And that causes this whole cascade where the crabs then aren't around to, like, eat the young plants and trees that are growing up. And so then the forest understory gets really dense and the whole forest structure changes after a few years. And so then it's not ideal nesting habitat anymore. Wow. Um, For boobies and so many other species. Okay, but hold on. I mean, that's horrifying, but also it's a really cool <laughs> example of a trophic cascade that I feel like people don't talk about yeah. in yeah. your ecology yeah. classes. I mean, everybody always talks about, like, the kelp and the urchins, and you don't hear about the boobies and the YCA and the crabs. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's cool. Yeah. It's a pretty intense one, too. There's some pictures. We can link a website, actually, on our website that has pictures um, from Christmas Island that show like an uninvaded forest understory and then invaded after one year and three years and 10 years. And it the forest changes so, so much in that time just Ooh. without having the crabs around. Wow. Um, yeah. Damn. Pretty intense animals. So the other islands that they used to nest on, have they been like cleared like humans arrived and just like cleared all the forest or something or yeah you know i think a lot of it like stems back to habitat loss but mm-hmm. i think also there's just less abbott's boobies left in I the suppose, world and yeah. so they all are nesting in mm-hmm. this one place which is scary yeah there's worry about like overfishing and marine pollution mm-hmm. and then just like the gradual effects of climate change and extreme weather disrupting their nesting so there's yeah yeah, there's a lot going on for them Mm -hmm. wow Um, maya do you know if they i'm assuming they go back to whatever island they probably came from and like i think return there to nest Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and so there's like occasionally there's a record of one turning up on like a colony of a different booby species Mm. somewhere completely different and so like a little bit of hope that maybe 
they are going to start like dispersing more in the future mm-hmm. or maybe there's even a colony that just no one has found yet. Like, yeah. But yeah, in general, I think it's kind of um, assumed that Christmas Island is like, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's left that's... right now. That's like a significant amount of their yeah. population. Yeah, that's so interesting. I feel like a lot, a lot of the colonial nesting seabirds are kind of like that. Like they look for other birds that look like them and that's how they choose where they're going <laughs> to nest. Which is why for, like, a lot of turns, they've had a lot of success drawing them to new places by, like, using decoys and, like, playbacks of calls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, like, if they could... Yeah, I think puffins as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if they could just get the Christmas Island populations, like, booming, then they could, like, spread them to other islands. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like old growth forest is important. And that takes a long time to grow. What species it is, but... um... I think it's on one of those like really small islands around Australia, New Zealand. Um, Mm -hmm. Some seabird that nests there, like only in this one spot in this park that's like completely secured off from like invasive mammals and whatever. Mm -hmm. And they've actually, since they return to where they fledged, they take nestlings um, that like don't need to be provided food by their parents anymore, but they put them in, like, mm. fake nests on a different island. Whoa. So they so kind of... basically, like, imprint on that island, and then mm. the the goal is that, like, you know, in five or eight or however many years when they're finally going to be breeding, they'll return to that island that's free of predators. Yeah. Instead of returning wow. to this, like, fenced-off park. Oh. Yeah, <gasps> I fucking love the intersection like really crazy. of behavior and conservation. It's so cool. <laughs> it's really cool. But I don't know how that would work for a species that nests in gigantic trees. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you need the habitat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I think there is some potential with the behavior too. Mm-hmm. And they're they're definitely declining a lot, but they're not. You know, there's still thousands. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Like, now would really be the time to try to, yeah, yeah, have them be a little bit more spread out, a little more resilient to, like, the occasional climate change-induced storm mm-hmm. that could absolutely mm-hmm. wipe out the population, like, as it is now. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the one other thing I wanted to mention about crazy ants that I didn't know until today is that they have a mutualistic relationship with aphids and scale insects. Oh. Have you guys heard about this? I've heard of so, yeah. oh, ants, other kinds of ants, like maybe this is giving it away, but they'll like mine aphids basically because the aphids secrete like this liquid that's really sugary and then the yeah. ants It's called farming. Liquid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't exactly. I just say that? Oh, did you? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I think you said mine, that? but yeah, farming. Yeah. I've heard it described either way, but it's this, yeah, this crazy relationship where the yellow crazy ants farm aphids, and so they they eat the honeydew that the aphids produce, but they also just, like, protect the aphids from all of their natural predators and just, like, mm-hmm. really increase the aphid population and so these aphids then are often found in some of the like largest and oldest trees in the monsoon forest on Christmas Island, which is also where the boobies are trying to nest. Um, wow. And the aphids produce eventually enough honeydew that the crazy ants can't eat all of it. And so it like coats the leaves of the trees and prevents them from photosynthesizing wow. and causes all of these like long term effects on the tree no. and eventually can kill off the tree. Wow. Oh my God. <laughs> Speaking of trophic cascades. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> There's so, There's much, going so much going on there. <laughs> Crazy. Exactly. Crazy, Crazy ants. ants. <laughs> so did they do that with any kind of aphid? Or did the aphids get introduced at the like to the island as well? Oh, you know, I think it's any aphids and scale insects that they find. Okay. Because they've been introduced in so many places, yeah. the crazy ants. Mm-hmm. And so I think they just kind of are so good at manipulating like their ecosystems wherever they end up. Mm-hmm. But I think these species were there to start with. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, especially if it's preventing their natural predators. I would as- <laughs> like the aphids' natural predators. I would assume. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So right, that they were at some point kept in balance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, so like. If they're anything like those ants that live in the acacia trees, right? They'll basically mm. just swarm anything that disturbs the tree, regardless mm-hmm. of what it is, right? So, yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Well, the last thing I have is just like a note about how, um, of all of the sulid birds, um, so the gannets and the boobies, the abbot's booby population is the best documented. Of all the species, which does make it a little bit worrisome that it is so small because a lot of people have tried and tried to like find all of the nesting colonies and really pay attention um, to the population trends starting in the 1960s. Um, at that point, there were 2,300 breeding pairs. And after many, many surveys, um, there are, as of 2002, which was the latest information I could find, there were 1,500 a, a nest sites. Um, Dang. Which is not a ton. The population yeah. seem, seemed to be stable at that point um, from like the late 90s into the early 2000s. But because this, just all of the things that we mentioned earlier with their population threats, and then also just the fact that it is this small population in a single island. Um, I guess, I'm not sure how this is calculated, but over the next three generations, there's an 80% chance of this species going extinct. Which Whoa! Is ah. Oh my ah. god, that's high. That's a big extinction risk. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, it's a huge extinction risk. Um, Damn. Oof, especially if any further habitat disturbance occurs, which... Like, you can think about that in a lot of ways. Like, there's, you know, this national park is incredible, and we're so lucky that there is a national park there. But if anything happens with, like, this phosphate mine where it ends up increasing Mm -hmm. the size at all, or Mm -hmm. if a storm comes through, or if these invasive species and forest structure changes because of the crazy ants, like, keep occurring, Mm -hmm. there's, yeah... I just think these like <sighs> tropical small island species are totally kind of on the front lines right now, mm-hmm. and it's easy to forget about that. Mm-hmm. But do you know if they're doing any like efforts to get rid of the crazy ants? They are. They are working on that, and I don't. I don't think it's been completely successful mm-hmm. yet. Um, but I think there are less now than there were like. I think the yeah. peak invasion maybe was like in the late 90s, I want to say. Mm-hmm. So yeah, slowly happening. I know, I think at least some of the like innovative YCA management strategies were focused on Christmas Island. Like a lot of the lit that mm-hmm. I saw before mm-hmm. going to Johnston was from Christmas Island. Like they were definitely working on it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I haven't followed mm-hmm. how successful it's been. Check. Yeah, I think that there is a lot of attention. Um on like the trophic cascades happening mm-hmm. in Christmas Island because of the crazy ants, but I don't think they've completely eradicated them yet. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to eradicate ants. Did I already say that? <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dude. and especially like in a rainforest. Mm-hmm. Well, and mm-hmm. to lose a species that is the only species left in its genus, or maybe was the only one ever, like you're losing an incredible amount of really cool like genetic data there oops was that you Kristen yeah I just kicked over my coffee cup from earlier (laughs) that I had stashed under my chair yeah it's totally empty oh don't worry I I finished my coffee like a big girl (laughs) oh good yeah that would be coffee abuse and that's that we don't condone that here no (laughs) finish your coffee people We used to take such exactly. awesome, yeah, we used to take such awesome, like, walks across the street to go get coffee with the four of us. And, like, even if one of us didn't want coffee, we would all just go. Yeah. I miss those Oh, my days. God. I miss that Aww. so much. Back in the day. <laughs> that was the best. It was so much fun. Ugh. Y'all, it's February, and that means it's half off Babcock ice cream. But- <gasps> yeah. Because of COVID, uh, nobody's in the office and Babcock is closed. Uh, it's also been almost a year since mm-hmm. we started working from yeah. home. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's insanity. Was there anything else that you had about Abbott's boobies, Maya? No, that's it. I'm sorry to leave us on a kind of depressing note, but I figured it's also a good segue to ocean depressing <laughs> to things. More in depression. <laughs> it's like about to get way more depressing, everybody. Um so we've heard about <laughs> all of these awesome seabird species in uh Sulide and Papasulide. Um so all of these boobies are wonderful, amazing birds, but they also face some not insignificant, I would say, actually, they're pretty significant conservation challenges. Um, yeah, it's pretty uh, dire, I would say. Um, a lot of these populations, like we've been saying throughout, are not necessarily considered like populations of concern as far as like whether or not they're endangered. Um, but they're sort of at the precipice. They're like at the brink of becoming this really terrible sit of like falling into this really terrible situation where they are incredibly endangered and there's like nothing we can do about it. Um, so I know it's about to get real, real sad. <laughs> uh, so one of the biggest challenges for these boobies is the high demand that we as humans have on our oceans and the idea of total ocean collapse. Has anyone heard about this? Ugh, yes. Mm -hmm. It's fucking horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Um, so total ocean collapse or uh, at least total fishery collapse is this, it's this very, very looming uh, thing that will we're on track to have happen where all of the fisheries in the world's oceans so most like almost 90 percent of fish species we could be looking at going extinct within the next 40 years um some oh, studies estimate God. yeah some studies estimate that by 2050 uh all seafood fisheries can collapse um, which includes a lot of really important species for the boobies that we've talked about, like sardines and anchovies, um, squid, uh, a lot of like wild-caught seafood and fish that we as humans rely on in like our consumption um, can also be like really detrimental to, to all of these birds that rely on it for their lives. <laughs> like it sucks for us not being able to eat like fish when we want to but for these birds it's actually like the only way that they can sustain their life and it's the only way that we as humans can sustain our lives too unfortunately because if the fisheries collapse that means that there is no there's nothing to mitigate um like the expansion of some uh aquatic plant species that can absolutely wreak havoc on coastlines and things like that and then there's also <laughs> there's so it's just again this like trophic cascade like we were talking about earlier where basically the entire oceans just wind up silent and like without life in them because if there's no fish there's no whales if there's no fish there's no bird there's no like wide-ranging pelagic seabirds um and there's like all of these algal blooms that can then take place um because of that uh yeah so, Ugh. pretty can gnarly. I, fuck. Can I recommend a book on this topic? Yes, please do. Yes. Uh, okay. Have any of you read Song for the Blue Ocean? It's no. by Carl no, Safina. No, but you told me to and it's on my list. Uh, it's by <laughs> Carl Safina, who is one of my absolutely favorite nature writers. And mm. it is really depressing, but it is so good. And it kind of puts things in perspective. And he spends a lot of time like interviewing and talking to and just hanging out on the boats of people who work in the fishing industry mm -hmm. and them kind of talking about like the glory days of what it used to be like when they were fishing and the issues of like fishing down the food chain and yeah I don't it's a very good like primer in a very accessible format nice and very passionate so good highly recommend <laughs> Flocktail seal of approval. Mm. Yes. We should have a Flocktails book list. Ah, <laughs> yeah. oh, that would be so we good. Need a, we need Actually. like a stamp like Oprah, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. You can get the books with the Oprah's book club like Mark. Yes. 
We need I, one of those. I want to be famous enough to have a stamp on a book. Or we could just like go to Costco and just like put <laughs> stickers on books and be like, Flocktail's approved. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just do some guerrilla marketing campaigns. Oh, yes. yeah. I'm into this. Yeah, Wait. let's make just a sticker and go for it. Cody! 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 You're in the, Cody in the, <laughs> We need a sticker! Uh, <laughs> um, I was only going to talk about two horrible things because they're both really horrible and I feel like we don't need uh, too many horrible things. And these are also the largest, like, threats to a lot of these booby species um aside from invasive species which we've sort of talked about throughout which is you know bad because like cats and rats and not deer not deer (laughs) (laughs) specifically deer invasive species that are screwing shit up they are screwing shit up but i don't know that they're screwing shit up on the galapagos islands or pelagically like Oh, no. Dude, you yeah. never know. Unclear. You yeah. can't rule it out. <laughs> you can't rule it out. Deer can swim, I guess. Yeah. Deer can fucking swim. <laughs> that's why That's why have a plan. <laughs> moose have been found in the stomachs of like Dude. gigantic sharks in And killer whales, right? Killer Why whales <laughs> are the number one marine predator of moose. So Damn. there you go. Can you imagine Holy being fuck. a scuba diver? in the fucking ocean and a moose just swims by you <laughs> yeah that's more horrifying than anything else you would find in the ocean <laughs> i would pee my pants i would be so <laughs> fucked up from that like just about everything else you would expect to see in the ocean like a yeah. killer whale or a shark you expect that they're scary mm-hmm. but expected mm-hmm. but, but not what the race. fuck is a moose doing they, they don't have flippers they don't have webbing. They just got these little Dude. fingernails that they walk on. Oh, they walk on their fingernails. Those fucking antlers coming at you through like oh, the murk no. of the water. Oh, oh, Jaws no. music also, playing no. in the background. <laughs> it must be so difficult to swim through the water with gigantic moose antlers. Truth. Dude, can you Not imagine? aerodynamic. Can you imagine how strong that means that they are? That mm-hmm. they can propel themselves can. forward through water with these fucking Those antlers fucking, like, that all. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm agreeing so much. The antlers and like the toothpick, toothpick legs that they like use to swim. <laughs> like, yeah, how does that even work? <laughs> okay, uh, uh, yeah. Real quick, the last thing that I did want to talk about, um, aside from invasive species, um, which we've mentioned a lot throughout these mm-hmm. episodes is um enso events or el nino southern oscillation events um a lot of people shorten it to just el nino events which is basically when um like throughout the world there are these cold upswellings of nutrients from uh like off the shores of a lot of continents in the in the world or every continent in the world actually which bring a lot of um like nutrients up to the surface that would normally not be accessible to marine life like um plankton and phytoplankton and krill and then it sort of like flows upward as far as the nutrients that are available because the more nutrients that are available to these smaller organisms the more smaller organisms there are to eat for larger organisms and then that sort of like translates up to like you know larger and larger organisms being available for um as food for like birds and whales and things like that um and el nino events is when the ocean surface temperature warms in a particular year and it can lead to some pretty extreme weather events but it also means that those cold nutrients don't get brought to the surface <laughs> of are you okay sorry are you <laughs> no i'm good sorry milo like burst through my bedroom door and i thought i heard something and i was like what was that and then he just like his head just popped up under my blanket <laughs> for it and i kind of freaked out oh, <laughs> sorry it's all good it's all <laughs> good you're doing He's a you're good explaining boy. and so so clearly and accessibly. Oh, thank you. And I, didn't I need was to interrupt. No, it's fine. I was I'm tr- I'm trying really hard actually. So, thank you because it's, it feels like a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's complicated shit, dude. It's so complicated. Mm-hmm. Um and like I used to know this super well, but I don't so much anymore. So, I had to relearn it. 
mm-hmm. um, like five minutes before we started recording. So <laughs> yes, classic, <laughs> classic. Um, so yeah, uh, I forgot where I left off. Um, the ocean surface but, warms. Oh, the ocean. Yeah, so the ocean surface warms, and what that means is that the temperature of the overall ocean is warmer, and so these nutrients that are normally brought up by this cold water are not able to be brought to the surface. And so in that particular year, there are fewer nutrients available for these small organisms and therefore there are few uh, food source there are fewer food sources available for the larger organisms that rely on those small organisms. Uh, normally the time scale for El Nino events is like pretty large. Like there's a lot of space in between El Nino events. Um, so they're on like, you know, a decades long cycle potentially mm-hmm. um where like there's a lot of time like decades in between el nino events but with climate change and increased warming of the ocean surface temperature these el nino events are becoming a lot more consistent and they're like happening on a much tor- shorter time scale um which means that there are consistently fewer nutrients and fewer resources available for the bird species the booby species that rely on these cold upswellings of nutrients along the coasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not even touching like thermo expansion of the water and like when water warms, it gets more volume basically. And so a lot of the shoreline is decreased. Um, so a lot of booby species that nest in places like the Galapagos Islands or like <sighs> that nest on low areas that are right next to oceans, um, like their nesting habitat is threatened. And then also with climate change, there is more extreme weather events. So like we're seeing larger hurricanes and these larger hurricanes are happening happening more frequently. And so that also super hardcore threatens nesting habitat because you can't nest somewhere if your island gets destroyed. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's really just a think- whole... Yeah. Sorry. I was just going to say you really can't overstate the importance of El Nino events. Like those can be devastating to populations of seabirds. Yeah. Like even if adults don't starve, which sometimes they do, um, Mm -hmm. a lot of birds will just choose not to breed. So a lot of these birds are really long lived and so they'll prioritize their own survival over producing offspring. And so for maybe 20 years that's okay but then suddenly populations will just crash once Mm -hmm. adults are getting old and Mm -hmm. no longer surviving and they're also not producing Mm -hmm. offspring so there can be this kind of delayed reaction from extended el nino events yeah it's just kind of horrifying Um, that's pretty fucked up uh in summation shit's fucked shit's fucked thankfully there are some things that you can do to sort of help mitigate like we think about action, actionable things that like we as individuals can do that can add up a lot. Um, and some of those things might be reducing your pelagic fish intake. So things mm-hmm. like tuna and sardines and anchovies to eat them less often. Um, like the, the actions of many individuals add up and reducing intake of those small fish species can really do a lot for these seabirds. Um some of the other things might be to, to look into the Blue Feet Foundation that Kristen and Ashley and Maya all mentioned like over the past couple of weeks. You can get some <laughs> awesome blue booby socks and also aid in blue booby conservation. And then also uh, one of the last things is to try and mitigate as much as much uh, CO2 like mm-hmm. emissions as you can. So maybe walking somewhere instead of driving there. Um, or riding your bike a couple days a week, like literally anything that you can do to try and mitigate some of what we're contributing to carbon dioxide emissions is going to be helpful. Mm-hmm. So, so huge. Oh, I have another yeah. one, another individual thought. Uh, oh, yeah. Anything in your life that is a single use plastic. Oh, yeah. Like, just try to eliminate. It's really hard during COVID with masks and things like that. But, like, as much as you can, reducing single-use plastics or really any plastics that you can mm-hmm. get rid of from your life mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. huge for not even just boobies, but, like, a lot of seabird species that ingest a lot of plastic mm-hmm. that looks yeah. like fish or and something also- tasty. Good for mm. you because plastics yeah. break down into these things called microplastics, mm. which are found in literally every 
drinking water source like in the world. Yeah. It's and wild. So you are drinking them. Mm-hmm. And God. plastic is yeah. really good at absorbing toxins. And so you're drinking liquid with little tiny particles of plastics that have absorbed who knows what. And like they're so tiny that municipal water filters don't can't like filter them out. So be afraid of your faucets is what we're saying. <laughs> um, I mean, you should be afraid of your faucets for other reasons besides microplastics. But like they yeah. sound scary when you turn them on. Oh, no, you know, just <laughs> other chemicals that are bad for you as well. Check your well water reports. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you, everyone. This is the last episode for now of our booby content. Um Sorry, the booby cast is over. It's done. We finished. <laughs> no more boobies for no you. More. <laughs> no oh, boobies oh. for you. <laughs> but other birds are okay. <laughs> um, so we hope you enjoyed this four-part series on boobies. Um, we certainly enjoyed it. I learned a ton. Yeah, dude. Um, Bunch of booby experts is what we just created. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of more booby experts out in the world. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Um, Making the world a better place. One booby yeah. at a time. Hell yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a couple of shout outs this week. Um, big thank you to the Nothings podcast at Nothings Pod. Uh, podcast movement or at podcast movement on twitter and then another big thank you to abby medcalf or at abby thriving on twitter yeah we appreciate all of the support everybody talking about us and sharing us and interacting with us on social media um if you want to suggest an episode or if there's some bird-related stuff that you want to hear about, you can reach out to us on social media. We've had a couple of episodes that, episodes that were inspired by some of our listeners and some of the stuff that they wanted to hear about. And they got a, they reached out to us and we were like, fuck yeah, that sounds fun. Let's do it. Yeah, dude. Yes. Bottom line, hearing from listeners is the best. Mm-hmm. Hands down. Mm-hmm. Also, also, none of our listeners apparently actually listen to the end of our episodes because we have asked multiple times for pictures of bird poop that looks like something else. Yep. Well, <laughs> maybe we got one email. Jesus, I don't know. Bird poop. We got dog. one email. We got one email, and it was from my mom. So I'm just shout out to my mom. <laughs> yes. Okay, Woo! we got one. Yes. Mama Jen, but we have at least at least 35 people following us on Twitter, and I'm going to assume <gasps> that every single one of them listens. Hell yeah! I I just figure we should have 35 pictures of bird poop that looks like other things by now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna say all 35 so. of them take many pictures of bird poop. You realize that, like, like Jesus. <laughs> you realize that, like, you three are also part of that 35, right? So, like, you three need to send uh, in bird poop yep. pictures. Okay, great, great. I'm on it. Nope. Connecting the dots. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um. I have a good one. Don't worry. Oh, uh, wait. Do you really already? Like, I'm so stoked to see this shit. Literally. Literal shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Does somebody want to shout out our socials so that people know where to send their bird shit? I don't remember who did it last week, but I can do it. Kristen did. I think you did it last week and it was really oh. great. Got it was. Lock, Do it again. Yo. We Fucking are nailing it. At Flocktail Hour on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Hit us up at flocktailspodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us at flocktailhour.com with links to all of oh. our social media and our merch store. I Woo. just, I think I'm in love with the words <laughs> that you just said because that was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I try so hard. <laughs> Is it is it possible that to fall great. in love with with verbal things? Oh, I think so. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh huh. Shakespearean sonnets? Maybe not. I don't know. Mary Oliver, a thousand percent. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> Actually, oh my god. Though, yes. The greatest. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. Um. <sighs> Yeah, that was all of the things actually. With uh, do we have any other like cool stuff coming up? It was Black History Month last month. By the time this episode comes out, I think Black History mm-hmm. Month is going to be over. Oh, we filled it with um, boobies. We should have done a cool Black Birders thing. I know. Oops. Yeah, Maybe we should redeem ourselves next episode. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, because that could be really a fun. Thing. Every month should be Black History Month. True. It's mm-hmm. True. You're right. Yeah. Actually, Drew Lanham just wrote an incredible article for Audubon uh, about mm. Audubon about John himself. James Audubon. Maybe that should oh, be and our how next he was episode. A... Wait, wait. Can our next episode be how John James Audubon was a racist asshole? Because uh, oh my yeah. god. I mean, that seems fitting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also bird bird names for birds. Oh, bird oh, yeah. names for birds is so That'd fucking good. good. This yeah. is sounding like a good episode. I'm in. Mm-hmm. I'm down. Mm-hmm. Wait, can I shit talk Jared Diamond just like a little bit? Just yeah, a little, it. little tiny bit. Do it. <laughs> He's a dick bag. Anyway. <laughs> I, was I will never for, like just, some just profound takedown. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I'm saving it. I'm saving it oh, for okay. that episode. I oh, just good. like. Good, good. Oh, I will good. never miss an opportunity to shit on Jared Diamond because I fucking dislike his writing and he's an asshole. Anyway. Oh. Nice. Wow, stay tuned for next week. It's going to be wild. <laughs> We're going to get real hyphy. Or I'm going to get real hyphy. Um, should we get out of here so that our listeners can get back to whatever productive things they were doing with their lives? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. That'd be a good call. <laughs> Sweet. Oh. Well, I'm Maya Pershing. I'm Jen Schneiderman. I'm Ashley Ola. And I'm Kristen Frunk. Peace out, bitches. For listening. And peace (laughs) out, bitches. (laughs) Everybody's right.